welcome to livealittlehigher.com. In life, we do many things that we enjoy and many things that we don't enjoy. Many of the things we do in our daily life, like our routine, we wake up, we take our coffee, we exercise, we come home, we, um, we go to work, we pick up the kids from school, we come back home, we do errands, then we have to cook, then we eat, then we clean the dishes, and then we're tired, then we go to sleep, and then the next day, again with the routine, the same thing. Each person has different routines, but in basically every day we are living a life that is very uh, similar every day, one from the next. And, uh, and we wake up the next morning and we look forward to the weekend because we're tired of the routine of the week. But actually, if you look at your weekends, usually they're also very like a routine, like you do basically almost the same things every every weekend. And then this also becomes tiresome and then you're dying to go on a vacation. You're dreaming about a vacation. So you work very hard to get to go one year, once a year on a 10 day vacation to exotic place, an exotic beach, a beautiful place. Nowadays people can go to all these crazy places that before was so hard to get to. And, uh, and eventually, the vacation is fun. Finally, there's something that is fun. And, and you love it, and you're enjoying yourself, and you are not uh, tired, and you're just having fun. And what happens, then you come back from your vacation, and you're back into your routine. And yes, the vacation has invigorated you. It has relaxed you. It has taken the stress away. It has given you new energy. And you come, and you come uh, refreshed to your, new, to your old routine. So the question of discussion in this class is, what is your primary goal? Do you vacation for a week so you can return rejuvenated for the year of work? Or do you work all year so you can go on a one, on a one vacation a year? And that's the, the, the question. So in life, there are two paradigms. There is one paradigm which is called pleasure. And there's another paradigm which is called purpose. And we all live and we all gravitate between these two paradigms. And most of us enjoy our weekdays. We enjoy our lives. We wake up in the morning and we're happy to be alive and waking up and seeing our children, our families. We're happy to cook for them. We're happy to have a nice home for them. We love what we do. But sometimes people have lives in which they do things, but they really don't derive any pleasure from what they do. And, um, and it's important in life to have a balance between these two paradigms and because if a, you have a purposeful life and you don't have pleasure from it or you have only pleasure in life but you don't have purpose, then you, you have a problem. There's something that is missing and there's something that is not right. So in this week's parasha, in this week's parasha, the, the Moshe start the process by which Yeshua would eventually divide the land of Israel amongst the 12 tribes. And the, the Torah portion says, God spoke to Moses saying, you shall appoint the land among these, among these as an inheritance in accordance with the number of names. So the land was appointed depending on the, on the size of the tribe. So if there was a tribe that had 600,000 people and there was another tribe that had 30,000 people, it was appointed differently because 
each tribe needed a different amount of land. Also, if a, if a, if a tribe had a cattle and the cattle need to eat grass, then they would be appointed a, a piece of land that had a lot of grass. So to the large tribe, you shall give a larger inheritance. And to a smaller tribe, you shall give a smaller inheritance. Each person shall be given an inheritance according to his family size. Only through lottery shall the land be appointed. They shall inherit it according to the names of the father's tribe. The inheritance shall be appointed between the numerous and the few according to the lot. So from here we see that the land was divided amongst the tribes. It was 12 tribes. It was given according to the size of the tribe and their needs. And the other thing that is important to note here is that it was appointed through lottery. And the lottery, which seems weird, how can that be? How could people that needed a big lot end up with a big lot through lottery? They could have ended up with a small lot through lottery. But it, you could see from this lottery that it was really done in a divine way. It, you could see the Ahashkaha practice, the divine interference in the division of these lands. But Hashem wanted the people to have, um, have an opportunity to choose their land. So what he did was that they, they, they divided the lands accordingly to the needs of each tribe. So it was divided in 12, and then 12 papers with the names of each tribe was put in the same ballot. And each uh, chieftain of each tribe would come and he would remove two ballots from the, from the, two, two ballots from the, from the lottery, and he would remove, and incredibly, it would come out the name of the tribe and the, and the piece of land. And never, never happened that the person that would take out the two, the two ballots would end up with two tribes or two pieces of land. It always ended up being the tribe that they were in and the piece of land. And to corroborate it, Eliezer, the, 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 the Cohen Gadol of the time, the Elazar, I'm sorry, Elazar, the Kohen Gadol, he had the Urim and the Tumim, which was the breastplate that the Kohen Gadol used to wear. And in this breastplate, there were 12 stones. Each one represented one of the tribes. And once the person would take out the ballots, this, the stone of his tribe would be illuminated. So this sh showed us that, the, that God wanted the portions to be fair. He wanted the, the, the portions to be allocated from above. So we see in life that everything you have really is given to you by God. Nobody can take anything away from you. You think you're the one that you choose the house. You went, you chose it, you bought it, you paid for it. That house that you're living in now is allotted to you. It's a, it's a lot that is allotted to you because that place is meant to be for you so you can elevate it in this world. So, we see from here that remarkably not a single chieftain pulled out two slips with tribal names or two slips with territories. Each pulled up one of each and what's more, each pulled the correct slip for his tribe. So we see from here 100% Ashkaha Pratis, God's intervene, intervening in everything in their lives and how he, he, he was able to at the same time give them the, 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 the honor to be able to feel that they were choosing their lot. So also we see here that although God wanted to ensure that each Jew received an equitable portion in the land of Israel, 
God deliberately excluded the tribe of Levi. So the tribe of Levi didn't own any land in the land of Israel. They, they didn't have a portion set for them. And when we say that the tribe of Levi was not allocated a portion in Israel, we don't mean that they were not permitted to live in the land of Israel. They did live in the land of Israel. Rather, they were not allocated lands for agriculture, and we're going to see why. So the Levim had a different uh, purpose in life. They had a complete different purpose than the other tribes. The other tribes had to come into the land. They had to work the land. They had to make a living. They had to sweat it. That was their, their, their portion in, in this world like us. We have to wake up. We have to go to work. We have to sweat it. We have to make a living. And then there's a certain group of people that in the world Hashem sets apart for a different reason. They don't have to go and burden themselves with, um, with, the, with, the, with making a living and sweating, uh, making money. So the, the, the Levim, their, their purpose was that they were there to bring the people to find purpose and pleasure in life. That was their job. And we see from here that uh, although they didn't have a, a, a piece of land in, in till today, till today, there's not a portion of land for the Levim in the land of Israel. Nevertheless, when the Jewish people will be redeemed with uh, Messiah, then there will be um, there will be given land to the Levim. This will change. So we see from here that there's a discrepancy because there, these are the commandments. This teaches us that a prophet is not permitted to introduce novel changes to the Torah. And, and the prophet Ezekiel, he's the one that said that the Levites will come and own part of, of the land of Israel when Messiah comes. But how can we come to understand this discrepancy from the Torah? And it says here that uh, Maimonides, Maimonides answers this this, uh, this uh, discrepancy. He was one of the biggest codifiers that there ever existed from the, the Torah. And he explains it like this. It says, the entire tribe of Levi is forbidden to receive an inheritance in the land of Canaan. They are similarly forbidden to receive a share in the spoils when cities are conquered, as it stated. So they could not go to war. They could not gain from the spoils of war. And they could not own uh, land from the land of Canaan. And the priest and the Levite, the entire tribe of Levi, should not have a portion and an inheritance amongst Israel. So the words a portion refers to a portion of the spoils of war. And the words an inheritance refer, refers to a portion of land. So one thing that we notice here is that the Pasuk is saying is, uh, that the Levite cannot have a portion in the land of Canaan. And this is interesting because it's not talking about the land of Israel. It's talking about the land of Canaan. And we know that Maimonides selected his words very carefully. And such an, an unusual language must be telling us something. So in reality, the Jewish people conquered seven nations because, before coming into the land of Israel. And, but there's ten nations that had to be conquered. There's three of those that were not conquered, which are Edom, Moab, and Ammon, which have not been conquered till the day of today. And, um, and, and they are referred in the Torah as Kenites, the Kensites, and the Kadmonites. So these three, uh, three, three, these nations, these three nations have not been conquered. 
and they are in the future gonna be conquered and these these are gonna be part of the land of Israel also. So what the Maimonides is telling us is that this will be an inheritance for the Levites. This is where they're gonna live. That's why it says they cannot have from the land of Canaan, but this is not gonna be the land of Canaan. This is gonna be another portion of the world that is gonna be annexated to the land of Israel. So let's see here. So I said before that the, that the purpose of the Levites was to infuse in the Jewish people purpose and pleasure while following Torah and um, and then and doing mitzvot and learning Torah and doing mitzvot. And if they would have been busy uh, working the land and, and, and making Israel a beautiful, flourishing country, they wouldn't have had time to have this influence in the Jewish people. And as you know, Everybody needs a spiritual guide in life. We all need someone, a mentor, a mashkia, someone that will show the way. And usually these people have the time to take care of other people. But if you're busy making a living, it's hard to be a mentor. It's hard to be a person that's gonna be taking care of others and, and, and helping them become a, a inspired Jews that are gonna be living purposefully, purposefully and, uh, and, and with pleasure. So from here we learn that, uh, that the, 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 the way in which we fuse pleasure and purpose, it says here, let's return to our lives and try to apply what we just learned about pleasure and purpose. At the beginning of the lesson, we asked which, which motivates us more, pleasure or purpose? Are we pleasure-driven people or are we purpose-driven people? And he says here, for most of us being motivated by purpose is an ideal. Like we should be motivated by purpose. The purpose should bring us pleasure. When we're living a, a purposeful life, that should infuse us with immense pleasure. And philosophically and intellectually, this makes sense. But sometimes people, yes, they feel, they feel that to live a purposeful life is a duty, it's an obligation. I have to keep Shabbat, I have to eat kosher, I have to give tzedakah. It's purpose, it's purpose. But sometimes people don't derive pleasure from Shabbat, they don't derive pleasure from eating kosher food, they don't derive pleasure from helping other people. They feel it's a duty. And pleasure, sometimes it could be seen as something very idle and something very not, 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 not spiritual, not, not with a heavy weight, you know? Yes, people can live through pleasure, 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 but at the end of the day, they're gonna feel empty and void. And sadly, most people that live through pleasure, 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 they, they have this empty feeling inside of them that is not being able to be filled. And they end up filling it with the wrong places, in the wrong places, with the wrong people, with the wrong things, because people need to feel purpose and pleasure. It's a, it's a need. So as children, we re rare, rarely think of, pleasure, of purpose. If you ask a child, what is your purpose in life? They have no idea. Or where do you see yourself in 10 years? They have no idea. They don't think, they're just living the moment. They're in pleasure mode. But the more we grow up, the more we mature, the more our body becomes heavier and more, more diminished, the more a person starts thinking about purpose in life. The older we get, everything becomes purpose. Everything we do is for 
a holy purpose. We, we think about purpose. So the more we elevate our interest from pleasure to purpose, the more we have matured. So when a person is living more with purpose than pleasure, we can see that that person is more a mature person than a person that only lives through pleasure. So let's understand this thing of pleasure. And, the, and, the, and there's a story here that in 1966, John Frankenheimer produced a movie called Seconds. I never saw it, but anybody that was born before that time must remember it. And it was about a banker that was very successful. And he had, um, he, he, he had an incredible job, but his life was a life that was always chasing after things. Okay, I made money, I'm gonna buy a house. Then he wanted a bigger house. Then he wanted this car, then the bigger car, then the vacation, but now this vacation is not good enough. Let's go to a more exotic vacation. And he was always chasing for things and things and things. And one day he got bored of his life. He, he wanted to reinvent himself, so he went he went uh, to a company and he staged his own death and he had plastic surgery. He changed everything about himself. He moved to a different country, lived a different life, but at the end, his life was the same thing, was per pursuing things. And he thought that he, had, he was gonna change his life, but the life was the same thing. So as Viktor Franklin once said, success like happiness cannot be pursued, it must ensue. It's something that has to come from within. It cannot be looked, searched for in, in the outside. It's not in the outside, it's in the inside. So, and it only does so as an intended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself, or as the byproduct of one surrender to a person other than oneself. So the only way that a person can find purpose in life is when he's living to, for a greater cause. He's living for a greater reality, not for himself. When you're living for yourself, you're not gonna find purpose. But when you're living asking yourself, okay, God created this world, what's the intention of this world? Why did he create me? What's the purpose of me being in this world? I'm a Jew, he gives me a Torah, he gives me a guide to life. This is the way he wants me to live. Then there's a purpose. But then how do we make that purpose pleasurable. That's the whole thing here, because we can be like mechanic people that we're doing and fulfilling our purpose, but there's no heart and no soul in it, or we can love the things we do because we feel that, that they're holy and we are imbued with it. And when you feel that you're privileged to be able to live such a life and you're grateful for it, then you'll find immense pleasure in everything you do. So Shabbat won't be a road it won't be something mechanical. It won't be something that you have to do. It's not a duty. It becomes a pleasure because you're doing it because it's the most incredible thing to do. And if it's boring for you, then find ways in which you can make it pleasurable. Invite people, make your house extra special, buy a new china, nice china, something that will infuse that love for Shabbat and will give you immense pleasure. I find that people sometimes stop doing things because they don't find the pleasure. For example, a, a, a person will not send their kids to a Jewish school because it's, too, it's too, too expensive. So in his mind, there's no purpose in sending his kid to the school. For him, it's more important to put that money away and go on a fancy vacation once a year. But if for you, it becomes important, you find 
the 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 preciousness, the treasure in giving a Jewish education to your kid, then you'll find a way to find a way to give your kid a Jewish education because for you it's gonna be pleasurable. So when you sit in your home and you see your kid singing Shabbat songs or telling you about the Torah portion of the week or singing the Aleph Bet, and that should give you pleasure. So the the purpose of you working very hard to be able to send your kid to a Jewish school when you get the benefit of it, when you find the beauty of it, when you feel you're giving your kid the best you can give them, then for sure you're gonna find pleasure. So I give you Abraha that you should find pleasure in everything you do, in every holy aspect of your life should be pleasurable, that you find the goodness in everything, that you find a connection to Hashem, because this is the ultimate pleasure is to feel a relationship with God, to feel connected to our Father in heaven. And uh, hopefully with hard work and intent, we will be able to achieve this. So I wish you a good week. Thank you. Live a little higher.